Hey to all of our listeners out there, this month's sponsor of Spamming Zero is High Operator. We had Liz Sai, who is their CEO, on our podcast just a few weeks ago. If you haven't checked that out, make sure you do that. It's amazing. Great episode. We talk about customer service agents. We talk about lifetime value. Talk about a lot. So who's High Operator? I'm going to read directly from the website that High Operator has. This is a beautiful statement. I love what Liz says here. Customer service is a core pillar of most businesses. It's also one of the hardest parts of the business to scale. Hiring is time-consuming, training is time-consuming, and volume varies by season. And documentation is constantly in flux. All true. Agree 100%. They started High Operator to make delivering customer service easy. Our mission is to help companies deliver excellent, scalable customer service effortlessly. Our clients can focus on their products and services, and their customers get a great experience when they need help. High Operator provides a complete customer service as a service solution. Through the power of High Operator's human plus AI technology, client conversations are handled faster and more accurately. The end result, they deliver amazing customer service, making companies and their customers happy. That's why they exist. That came directly from Liz. Here's some other fun little stuff that I really like that they do. Some value add here, right? So train us once. We handle all the recruiting, hiring, and training moving forward. Never have to deal with another classroom retaining or headcount headaches. They say this, send us conversations. Send us tickets. We pull the tickets automatically from your preferred CRM. And then you have full control over how and when those tickets are used. Another one, paper resolution. This is something we do at Flip as well. Charge for the conversation that we actually solve. No onboarding fees, no hourly rates, pay for what you use. This is High Operator, and they're this month's sponsor. I'm James. And I'm Brian. And this is Spamming Zero. What's up, everybody? James and Brian here for another show on the record of Spamming Zero. Just me and you this time. Yeah. Turn of the new year, 2023. It's pretty wild. Brian, you might be too young for this, but you know, <laughs> be, be, me being the old fart that I am, I look back in like the 90s and the 80s and I never really like could fathom 2020. <laughs> like it's such a long ways in the distance. Um, probably like you couldn't fathom, I don't know, 2050. I don't think our age discrepancy is that big. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I feel that. I feel that. I mean, 2023, that's just mind-boggling. But hey, we keep on moving. Absolutely. So one of the things that Brian and I wanted to do in this episode is at the turn of the new year, there's a lot of companies that come out with research reports based on experience that, is, that has happened across many brands within the year. So we're going to unpack some of these metrics and... You know, when we look at 2022 in particular, we saw a big shift that happened with customer service and customer experience. We saw a lot of brands make a decision that everyone hated. We saw a lot of brands make decisions that they made many, many years ago and are now having ramifications of those decisions. Not to call them out by name, but to call them out by name, Southwest Airlines, right? So we're going to unpack some of this because I think it's really fascinating. And the first thing that I noticed, uh, there's a report by Northridge Group, um, the state of customer experience. You can go find that online. But one of their metrics was 71% of business leaders, meaning those folks that are 
in their organizations and brand report a positive voice of the customer or a positive NPS, but when they pull those same customers or consumers of that brand, only 67% of the customers say the company is actually trying harder or trying to make it easier for them, which is a big disconnect. And you and I have talked a lot about this. Like this can be a, this can be a result of a bad metric and it being uh, the wrong type of metrics to see like the pulse of what the customer really um, feels. But I also think it's also a disconnect from a strategy perspective too. So let's talk about that. I guess the first thought is it's not necessarily surprising, right? There, there are so many, right? A lot of different people do a version of this report and, and it comes back to sentiment that our good friend Vikas over at Customer shares all the time, which is like, given the billions of dollars that have been spent on technology and everything to improve customer experiences over the last decade, consumer sentiment has actually gone backwards. So it's a little bit of like, okay, we're running on this treadmill. We're actually spending money, right? There's certainly a question of whether people are spending enough, but like real dollars are being spent and the outcomes are not there with it. So that's one kind of angle on this for me. And then the second one that comes to mind is what you touched on of if the company and their measurements is saying that consumer sentiment has improved, yet the consumers, when they're polled directly, is saying that they haven't, then it's, right, then, like, the metric that you're using is actually not uh, good enough. Like, it's it's actually not capturing what it's intended to capture. And people are well aware of the limitations that exist in CSAT surveys and NPS surveys kind of being the two main ones. Obviously, they are like short and simple. They only get shown to consumers at specific points in the customer journey. So like, are you showing it to somebody right after they purchase or are you showing it to them after their good is experienced or delivered or whatever? Are you showing it to them after a support interaction? So where in the journey you present them with the survey has a huge influence on what the outcomes are going to be. And then the participation rate on these surveys is also like, very far from a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Like not, not a hundred percent at all. And then you can get into the psychology of like the psychology and in some organizations, the data around like, who are the consumers that are choosing to participate in the surveys? And so, yeah, right. It's like, how good is this data? And then like how, yeah, I don't know. That's I always where think it's interesting is. too, because there's a lot of brands out there that they don't do it consistently across brands. Like if, if NPS and CSAT was measured the exact same, at the exact same point in the journey for every brand, then I, it would make sense, right? But it's not, and it never is. <laughs> um, I, I think the other thing that I find really interesting, and I think that a lot of uh, a lot of the listeners out there, especially if you are in a customer experience role or you're in a customer service role, I hope what I'm about to say you take you take to the bank with you because I think that this is absolutely Shit. true. You know, Brian, you and I talk a lot about internally about a crawl walk run. Um, approach to a lot of the things that we do. Now, a crawl to us, to the um, external audience that's engaging with our brand, it might seem like misses, right? A crawl to us is, okay, we're going to go from a crawl to a, to a walk phase. And that's an improvement. And to us internally, we would chalk that up as a win. We'd say, oh, well, we went from crawl to walk, we made improvements. 
but externally, it could still be seen as a miss. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because no matter what you do out there in the world, like you are compared to the very best customer experiences that are out there. You're compared to the Chewies of the world. You're compared to the Amazons of the world. And there's nothing you can do about that. Nothing. So what you have to do is communicate to your customers about those improvements. If you feel like those are happening, like communicate it externally so that your customers and your consumers are seeing the improvement. That's not just what they're experiencing because what they're experiencing may not translate. And a great example of this that happened in 2022 was the Southwest Airlines situation that just happened a few, just, just this last month, right? Tons of their flights got canceled and everyone was trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Bags were getting shipped to, to their destinations and these customers were left in, in airports where their bags were in a completely different destination. And I, I read through this big Twitter thread of a previous employee that was an executive at Southwest and he unpacked the story. And it boiled down to one little thing. They were running on a 1990s system and still are today because executive leadership wasn't willing to invest in the technology that was necessary for them to be operationally efficient in the future. So great example of this is brands being worried about automation, brands being worried about bringing on AI to help um, because they're worried about what's going to happen to the brand or they're worried about what's going to happen to a consumer's experience. Naturally, like that, those are perfectly normal concerns, right? But we can't get caught into the fact like this is a crawl walk run. They were in a crawl and were making improvements, but still using a 1990s system that wasn't going to be working for the future. And now they're caught into, well, we made improvements, but what did the consumer world want? They wanted an experience that was a run and they weren't getting it. And now they're having a massive issue with revenue, right? People don't want to book with Southwest because they don't trust them. Like, yeah, you're now you're dealing with a much bigger ramification by simply not getting your leadership, not getting maybe you as an individual at a, on a, in a customer experience or customer service role to be seen and heard and how important it is to invest, not just in technology, but in things that are actually going to help you be more efficient. Not just now, but in the future. And <laughs> that's one of the things that I I think happens more often than not with brands. And it gets chalked up to a disconnect between the NPS and CSAT and what the customer says. And that's because like we internally think our business is operating and we're improving at a better rate than typically uh, as somebody who is engaging with our brand would. And when you say a 1990 system, really what you're talking about there is and and I don't I don't know the systems that necessarily like triggered the issues that led to all the flights being canceled but in the context of customer service and customer experience almost always that big system jump that core system jump that needs to happen is at the CRM level which is where all of the customer transaction and conversation data is stored And that is the most expensive, the most risky, and the most painful in every way change to make, while also being the one that probably has the most abstract and difficult to measure ROI, which makes it so easy for 
the executives at a company where things are floating along, things are going well, growth might even be doing fantastically. It's really hard to pay that piper, both in terms of time and dollars and risk, and make that change. And that's where you get caught in the situations of older companies are on older systems, even though there's obviously newer systems and the newer companies are on the newer systems because they're making a first decision now, right? Like the chain, how often those companies are changing. It's always historically been right. When you're on that platform, you are so tied in uh, and, and you're in there forever. And as there is so much technology that is being built on top of those core platforms, right? You mentioned automation and AI, but like go into the app marketplace and ecosystem of like any of the top CRMs, right? Salesforce, customer, gorgeous, gladly, you name it, go into our marketplace. You can find all of our top partners in that category and their ecosystems of apps are robust. And the value that you can get from those, which is directly measurable and is much more easy to attain incrementally is unlocked by being on a good, modern, well-structured core CRM backend platform. So it like, I don't know. I kind of think that the justification needs to be from, you need to look two steps ahead and then use that as the justification for taking the first step. Like you almost need to look at the run as justification for doing the walk. Actually it reminds me a lot about like when we, when we do backwards funnel progression, when we're looking at like funnels, you look at the number you're trying to hit from a revenue perspective and you work backwards to see what top, like what up funnel you need in order to get there. I like that approach. What other stats you got for us? We saw a shift that happened in 2022. And I think at this point, a lot of us are kind of sick of hearing about it, right? And that's the economic downturn. And I use that word, use that phrase on purpose because that's what everyone's sick of hearing. And because of that, brands have had to do massive layoffs. And, and I'm talking about brands that are public okay so like we're talking about huge brands so salesforce just did one this this last week right um vimeo did one um we're talking about people that haven't even made it in the public eye have made cuts. almost all of big tech yeah cisco like you name it like there have been massive layoffs now what type of implication is that going to have on customer experience in 2023 well our friends at help scout just released a Customer service trends of 2023. Go check it out. It's on their website on Help Scout. And I think they're onto something here because I do think that naturally with these massive layoffs, one of the very first places people cut is customer service. And the only reason why that is is because it is expensive. And so like when we when we take what we just unpacked with not being ahead of the times, now businesses are being forced to make the change now. Because, and I'll give you a little story, there have been several different um, phone calls that I've, I've, I've been on with other executives at the C-level, at the um, mostly CMOs, and almost every one of them has had to shift their focus from net new revenue creation to net retention and being focused completely on retention. And some CMOs are so lost in the dark because they don't even know how to handle how to handle customer experience because they've never had to. <laughs> so net new revenue is like, hey, let's get a customer that's never shopped with us before to come and shop with us. Yep. New customer acquisition versus 
let's have existing customers shop more, stay with us longer if it's some sort of subscription model, upgrade, whatever it might be, but getting more from the base of people that have already bought from you before. Yes, and it, it aligns to one of the episodes we did early on with, with Dan, if you remember that episode, like about LTV. This is why like LTV has been hit on so Lifetime hard. value. Yeah, it just keeps keeps getting hit on, and I think it's more important than ever because layoffs are going to continue to happen, unfortunately, until the economy completely recovers, which isn't going to happen anytime soon. So they're going to continue to happen, and as long as they continue to happen, one of the first areas will be customer service, and it will suffer, and which means the customer experience is going to suffer if you do not find ways to supplement that. So, Brian, how do you supplement it? Even before going there, so... When you talk about customer lifetime value and you talk about focusing more on retention, it's right like making more from existing customers over time, right? That for a customer to spend more with you, you're talking about them becoming a more loyal customer. And so like CLTV drops one level down to like loyalty, which drops one level down to customer experience, right? Like Somebody came, they shopped with you. What was that, right? The experience that they had in that first purchase experience, that is what is going to determine whether they're going to come back and shop with you again. And when you talk about where customer service fits in the journey of a purchase, right? It is almost always, and mostly, I guess I'll walk back a little bit because <laughs> it's, it's, it's nuanced. Most customer service conversations are happening post-purchase. So they've swiped their credit card. They've, you've, you've attracted some new customer, right? We're talking about the journey of a new customer. You've attracted them in from the outside world. It, everything going on, you've managed to get their attention, sell them on whatever you're selling, get them to swipe their credit card and buy your product. Then there is some issue that is happening or some question or some concern or some idea or whatever it is, something's happening in between the moment of the credit card swipe to the moment of them being at the end of that experience and like being a, a happy user of the product that they bought, something is happening that is compelling them to reach out to your business. That is when the customer service conversation is happening. And oftentimes it's because there's an issue, right? Shipping delays, they got the wrong item, they need to, <clears throat> whatever it might be. And that moment, that, that conversation, that customer service interaction becomes so important, especially with a first-time shopper. They swipe their credit card for the first time with you. Now they need something from you. Are you going to be there for them, right? It, and then it's just like what the basics of customer service, right? Like, like 24-hour support? Come on, Yeah, people. like Give me a break. <laughs> like Just offer it. When people are reaching out, they, it's not a pleasure-driven thing. They have something that they need from you. It's a task on their list. They want you to be wherever they're going to find you and they want to be able to solve it quickly, right? Like that's the goal. And in a world where there's like recessionary factors going on, I know that you didn't want to use that word. <laughs> hey, everyone um, uses it, so. And the budget of customer service orgs are being cut, which like part of why that happens is because the dollars spent there don't directly drive new sales, Right. So it's easier to cut there and then or they keep the can't marketing prove that it does. Yeah, or always. Yeah, yeah, that that's what I mean. Good correction. <laughs> um, so in, in a world where that that budget is being cut, 
right? 80% of spend in the customer service department is going towards the labor. It's going towards the people that are actually having all of these conversations. So when you talk about cutting the budget, you're really talking about cutting the labor and there's already not enough people to be in every channel all the time and deliver quick resolutions. And right. So then it's like, okay, like how are you going to do that now? Right? Like you, right. Customer service has already been a problem. It's already, right, you already fail against that consumer expectation bar. And now the bar has stayed the same, but the resources have gone down and you need to find a way to fill that gap. So the first impression of, of a consumer's experience with a brand is more important than ever. And to your point, a first time buyer going through the experience, it's crucial to get this right. And I got a little like a couple, I, I got a few numbers that can help back this up. Hanover Research did a bunch of stuff in 2022. And let me just read this. Buyers who have a high quality experience are 2.7 times more likely to keep going and doing business with the brand. Here's what's crazy. And that, by the way, that's a, that is CLTV. Right? Yes. That's lifetime value. So right. they go on to do more business is that. 2.7 times more likely. Okay. Now, when you provide quick answers through automation and give them a quick resolution, eight times more likely. Eight times people. <laughs> uh, come insane. on. Like this is, this is, I, I oftentimes wonder why there is still a fight. Like me as a consumer, why there is still a fight for me to like, why we're not offering 24 seven support with every single brand in the entire world. Like it, it's, I, it blows my mind why it's still a fight and it drives me wild and you and I have, like, I've talked about these stories all the time. Like, I don't, I don't call businesses that I need to get a hold of when I'm working. And I, and exactly. I work during the day. So yeah. by the time that their Eastern service hours are over, I'm, I'm still working. So what the hell are you going to do to help me? Like, then I have to wait until the weekend, spend the time that I'm supposed to be with my family to call your fucking ass? No, I'm not going to do that. Like you're flipping ass. Well, yeah, that's right. Like <laughs> we got to get our shit together here and realize that we're all consumers of this stuff. And I think the more that that we in customer service, and I say we because you know I've 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 been in the, those shoes before. The more that we can help our leadership understand that they're also consumers. Like propose the idea to them. Say all right, well, what happens when you have to use your family time because a brand isn't willing to offer 24-7 support, even if it's through automation? Like, offer it through automation. If you don't have the support staff, which we just went over, that you're that likely it's going to get cut. So use automation to, to make up for that. And the 24-7 support thing can very easily be handled there, right, in, in many different channels. So I just think that's crazy. 2.7 times and then with automation, eight times. That's wild. That's crazy. And that's in a world where really like a lot of the automated experiences that are out there fall short, right? Yep. And, and can can cause frustration. But it just speaks to the like people want, there, there needs to be always on availability. And even if it's an automated response, right? Even if it's an automated response, just saying, hey, we received your thing. We hear you. I've got your message. The team's going to be back at this time. Like, 
I understand the severity of it and it's going to be at the top of the pile. Like whatever you can say, the giving the immediate gratification of listening, which does not need to happen manually, is just so important. Yeah, like I was unbelievably frustrated with a specific business when I was trying to call them. I couldn't couldn't get a hold of them. I tried through their chat. They didn't offer any 24-7 support. Their service hours ended at 5 Eastern time, which is 3 p.m. my time, people. 3 freaking p.m. Like, are you kidding me? No one is going to be able to be able to manage that. I think it's ridiculous. But I was so unbelievably frustrated with this that I thought I was going to have to call them the next day. So I, I used their like final channel, right? Because they offered chat, they offered phone, and none of those could serve me. So then they're like, well, you could email us after hours and we'll get back to you. And so I sent them an email and I got an automated response saying, we will get back to you first thing in the morning. And so I had that expectation because you've already ruined my other expectations. So now you better fucking make sure that you fulfill the last one. And they did. Even though I was really upset and I was like, gosh, dang, I just need to get a hold of them. This is a major issue. It still eased my frustration with them. And I, hence why I'm not naming them because they actually fulfilled the last part of their commitment with me. At, at a very simple and human level, in the entirety of the, right, the relationship between a brand and a consumer, everything up to the swiping of the credit card is the brand courting the customer and making promises and selling and doing everything in their power, everything that they can come up with to get attention and making promises, right? Getting, trying to get to that credit card swipe. In the instant that that credit card is swiped, that, then the relationship changes. And when it comes to customer service, now the feeling on the consumer side is I paid you money, right? I right, my precious money, whatever. I decided to buy your product and now I want you, right? I want your attention. You freaking spam me, right? I was getting your Instagram ads. I was getting your freaking mail. I was getting everything from you. You wouldn't leave me alone. And now I paid you money and I want something from you because I have not been, right? What was promised has not been fulfilled. And to run and hide in those moments is just, right? That is the human explanation of why bad customer service leads to problems with loyalty and brand and, and lifetime value and, and growth of the business long term. You're basically leaving them at the altar. I mean, geez, like, come on, people. We're never dramatic here on Spamming Zero. No. <laughs> A couple of other trends from our friends at Help Scout that I really love. Number four on their list was there will be a greater investment in self-service. 100% agree. More people want to just be able to go in, do what they got to do, which guess what? That means you got to invest in automation. Like that's just, that's just the reality of it. And their yeah, self-service is not just a, like a knowledge base. Yes, anymore. exactly. That, which not, by the way, that's not sufficient. We'll have to unpack that another day. Number five, we will see growth in proactive customer service. Big shout out to Cla big classic tees, um, Brianna Moreno. True classic. True, True classic. classic Sorry. Brenner Moreno does this incredibly well. If you want to unpack that, there was a previous episode we did in December. Go listen so to that. So many, honestly, a lot of brands doing doing very well here and doing a good job of being selective with the channel based on what the proactive update is. 
right? If you understand what people are reaching out to you about, then you can be proactive when you identify the issue before they identify the issue. You can reach out to them and then understanding what channels to do that in and then leveraging the tools that are there. It's it's one of the good things that is definitely going on right now, at least in the like D2C e-commerce world. Number six on their list, which shouldn't be a surprise because we've been kind of unpacking this already, but AI will be used to make people more effective. You can't hide from it. Like there is a booming situation in the world right now and AI is being used in every way. So get on board, be okay with it. Find a way to let it help you be more efficient. Don't try to fight it and don't try to like be better than it because you it's going to be more efficient than you and it could make you more efficient. So let it help if, serve you. If your Alexa can answer any question that you could ever want to ask it in the entire scope of the internet, then your customer service bot should be able to answer the 20 things that customers are reaching out to you about. That's a really good point, Brian, because you and I talked about this last night. Like, let's not forget that automation search volume, and I'm I'm just going to use voice for a second because it it's prominent. So it is massively bigger than somebody going to Google and typing something in. Voice search alone, like, is almost four times bigger. Okay? This is Google data, right? The amount of Google searches every day that happen via people typing into the browser or their phone or whatever versus speaking yep. their search. Like four times. And But this is not a small volume, okay? Now, there's probably like a good million of those search inquiries that are from my kids asking Alexa right. 50 <laughs> questions every day. But that doesn't change the fact that like, look at who you're serving, a younger audience, right? So like, mm -hmm. again, this is another way that you can reach an audience that's even younger too, is like you provide an avenue that's more accessible to them. You say that people hate talking to automation, yet people are like the amount of Alexa devices that are out there and like, right, the amount of conversations that are happening, right? Everybody's choosing to use voice basically wherever they can, right? Uh -huh. it, whether it's a smart speaker on your smartphone, on your TV, in your car, like whatever it is, if there's voice, people, if you know what you want, then voice is the fastest route of getting there. That's why we talk to each other, right? We're not doing a podcast by texting each other. Nobody would want to watch that because it would be way too slow. Yeah, it's, it's funny how like people don't think about some of the channels that they currently consume content and consume like just things in general as a channel like a podcast is done through voice <laughs> you have to put your headphones on you have to listen to it a lot of podcasts don't have video like we do so like it, it, it it's all done through voice right text when you drive you text your loved ones you are in a car and taking a phone call through your literal speaker of your car like all that's voice and it's it's wild to me because seeing the last i would say four or five months with automation and the increase that has happened and just how people are leveraging it like just just chat gbt or whatever it's called and the adoption that's happening there across just writing is crazy like you're seeing people write music and song mm -hmm. lyrics and mm -hmm. all sorts of yeah. different stuff yeah and right before that, the that company Jasper AI raised a insane round for a business application of 
right? AI for the creation of creative assets. Yeah. And I've, I've tested it. It's great. It's not perfect. Again, this is again, the evolution of automation. It's not perfect by design because it requires some human intervention. So don't be so afraid of automation that you're not willing to be that intervention that it needs. That's where it's going to help you be more efficient. Imagine that it, it cuts down two weeks worth of work and research in a single hour for you to then look at, right? Like, why would you not want to take that two weeks back of time? That's really the key, is the time savings that it's going to going to create, not just for you, but the cons- consumer and the customer experience. Especially in a customer service environment where literally the, in, right, 80% of the budget and probably 90% of the headcount are service providers. Like, it is, uh, it, they're doing manual tasks, and that is the entirety of the department. Totally agree. So getting efficiency there is just so big. By the way, you can find a lot of this stuff on online. Use voice if you want. You can do some searches on that. Yeah. Like tell your Alexa to, to tell you what the latest 2023 trends are. And there's lots of reports. Or you can Google it on your computer as well. But highly recommend you go take a look at those if you're in customer service, customer experience. And be ready. We're going to end this episode, Brian. By you telling the audience, Uh-oh. from your perspective, okay. what's what's a big 2023 trend that you think they should focus on? The unfortunate and, and in a lot of ways negative side of the recessionary factors that are going on is the cost cutting that needs to happen. Like I really do think that there's there's 90% pain, 10% gain in the decisions that businesses need to make and the effect that that has on their consumers. But the other like pillar of a recessionary strategy is the loyalty focus and the lifetime value focus and the focus on existing customers. And I think that the dynamics there are actually the like the inverse. And I think that it's 90% gain, 10% pain. And every business gains a huge amount by focusing on their customers. And consumers gain a huge amount by the business focusing on them rather than taking them for granted. So I think that that will reverberate in a lot of different ways. I'm optimistic about the effect that it's going to have on customer service, but I think that it will it will shine through in a lot of ways. And I think that that is the the positive side of the coin. And and uh, I'm a uh, I'm a positive guy, so I'll go with that. <laughs> I'm going to take a marketing approach, you know because I think that there's a lot of marketers out there that might listen to this podcast and might want to hear this as well. I think the more that we can focus on making sure that our messages are really clear and crystal clear so that the consumer and the customer receive what they are being pitched. It will create less issues on the customer service side. I just think the more cohesive and sticky that the messaging gets for the consumer, the better. So I think that that's a big trend we're going to see, I think, in the next in the next year is a lot of brands from a marketing perspective are going to really focus on making sure that their messaging is really sticky and that it's understood crystal clear by consumers. That's the end of this episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. If you like this kind of stuff, like you should tell us because we, we won't continue to do it if you don't like it. We'll just watch the stats. And if people like this episode, then we'll keep doing it. If they don't, then we won't do it. But hopefully this was helpful and stay tuned for next week. Appreciate you, Brian. Appreciate you.